Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. I'm going to give a little edited message just because of the time, so I probably won't get to all four of the first four Beatitudes in Matthew 5, but I'm going to do my best to get as far as I can. So the title of this message is The Beatitudes from Matthew 5, the essential <clears throat> sub, subtitle, The Essential Virtues That Guarantee a Blessed Life. The Beatitudes from Matthew 5. There's eight of them. If you need the notes, Mari will hand those out if you want to keep your hand up till you get the notes. The Beatitudes, the essential virtues, the non-negotiable attitudes of the heart that will guarantee a blessed life. Jesus guarantees us a blessed life if we receive and walk out these eight attitudes of the heart, these eight virtues. So let's read Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, member of River in the Hills, when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven if that happens to you. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, I pray right now that your words will become alive. Jesus, we believe with all of our hearts that you're alive right now. You're not dead. Lord, I pray for the same impact that these words had on your 12 disciples, that they would have on my heart and the heart of every hearer in the room. I pray for the same impact because you're alive and because you live in me. In Jesus' name, give me the grace to yield completely to your words and not mine. Would you stop any word that is not from you? And would you release every word that is from you? Holy Spirit, be magnified in this room. Magnify Jesus in his words. Make them real. Would you take us to that hillside by the Sea of Galilee? Would we see Jesus giving us these words? Thank you for your word. Amen. All right. So let's go over the foundational beatitude. Jesus really cares about order in the Bible. Order is very important in the Bible. He put this first one first for a reason, because it's the foundation for the other seven. It's the foundation for everything in life. 
each and every day. So what is this first attitude, this first virtue or character trait of the heart? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. What does this mean? Poor in spirit is when we realize how much we truly need God for every good thing, down to the very breath that we breathe. You know what spirit means in the Greek? Pneuma means breath. So literally, this is poor in breath. Blessed are those who are poor in breath, meaning they realize that every breath comes from God. So it's a core level constant dependence, not on ourselves, not on self-reliance, but on God. Poor in spirit, constant core level experience. Every single breath is a gift from God. Do you see why it's foundational? (laughs) Every good thing we recognize and realize is coming straight from the source of the heart of Jesus. There is a fountain that never runs dry of good things, and it's the heart of Jesus. This poor in spirit or poor in breath attitude keeps us connected. It's so vital. It keeps us connected to the presence of Jesus because we're constantly asking him for his help and his guidance and his infilling of power. Let's look at some reinforcing scriptures that back up the words of Jesus. <laughs> I love reinforcing scriptures. Zechariah 4.6, along the lines of porn spirit. And the Lord is answering, how does the kingdom of God get built? How do we build his kingdom? He answers it here in Zechariah 4. It's not by might. Everyone look up here. It's not by might, meaning human strength. It's not by power. What does power mean? How is that different than might? I think power is human intellect. It's your SAT score. Not by human wisdom. Not by human influence, how much money you have. It's not by strength. It's not by intellect or power but it's by my spirit, my Holy Spirit. Does anything of eternal value get done? Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God that's in our bellies. Does anything of eternal value get done? This reinforces poor in spirit. If we start our day saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, we're walking in this poverty of spirit. We need to see our bank accounts apart from God being zero. We are bankrupt without him. Zero in our bank accounts without him. That's what this means. It's another reinforcing scripture, a famous one, John 15, 5 from Jesus. He says, I am the vine. Everyone close your eyes. Imagine a tree branch or a vine, a grapevine. He is the vine where the life sap flows through. We are the branches. He who abides or stays connected in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without him or without connection to the vine or to the tree, we can do nothing. We need the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit to accomplish anything of eternal value. This is poverty of spirit. Now, with each one of these beatitudes or virtues of the heart, there's a connected blessing a connected blessing attached to a specific attitude of the heart. What's the connected blessing or the promised blessing for this virtue? Theirs is, present tense, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who know they need God, for theirs is, in that very moment, not when Jesus comes back, but right now, the kingdom of heaven is accessible to the one who is poor in spirit. The first beatitude 
and the last beatitude are the only ones with present tense, right now, full blessings. The other six have future, progressive promises that increase in our experience over time. Does that make sense? The first and the last have present tense blessings. I mean, we don't have to wait till heaven to get them. We get them right now. So what does this mean? It means the moment right now that we acknowledge our need for God, saying, God, I'm poor, I'm bankrupt, would you help me? The moment we do that, the kingdom of heaven floods our hearts and our bodies and our minds. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is accessible the moment we say, God, I need you. How promising is that? We can all be poor. We can't all be rich, but we can all be poor. Everyone can be poor. The homeless person and the person in the $5 million mansion can all be poor in spirit. The promised blessing, yours is the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's a lot of things. (laughs) But Romans 14, verse 17, brings it out in the most simple and clear means. The kingdom of heaven, according to Romans 14, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is available to you the moment you acknowledge your need for God. God, I need you. He floods you with righteousness. Peace that passes understanding. You could be in a category five hurricane of your soul, turbulent, anxiety attack. You feel like your world is crashing in on you and you're going to die. The moment you say, God, I need you, peace will flood your heart. Peace, be still. God, I need you. With one word, he stilled the Sea of Galilee during a storm. With one word, he can do the same thing to our turbulent hearts. The moment we say, God, I need you, peace. And then my favorite part of the kingdom, joy. (laughs) Joy unspeakable. I believe our greatest witness as believers is that we have a silly smile on our face and it's not fake. That's how I knew believers were believers in college. They had a smile on their face and it wasn't fake, it was real. And I was provoked by the joy. But it starts with righteousness, then peace, and then joy. They're so happy even when things aren't going their way externally. Do you see how internal all of these things are, not dependent on the external circumstances? Righteousness is internal. Peace is internal. Joy is internal, but it gets external real quick with that smile on your face. This is available to you the moment you acknowledge your need for God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can be in a jail cell for your witness to the Lord. Or you could have everything going for you. Favor, blessings, favor with God, favor with man. It's not dependent on that. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The moment you realize, I'm bankrupt without you, God. Isn't that encouraging? Another part of the kingdom, my dad has a shirt that he wears that talks about these aspects of the kingdom. It's a great witness tool. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. Jesus defines the kingdom as the healing of the sick, the cleansing of the lepers, the dead being raised, and demons cast out. Who wants to see these four aspects of the kingdom of heaven work through your hands and your words? I do. Keep your hands up. I want to see this. How do we get there? 
How do we start seeing power flowing through our lives in an unprecedented way? It starts with the poverty of spirit. God, I need you. I can't heal this person who's sick. The moment we realize that, we have power accessible to us that could flow through our hands to heal the sick. Cleansing of the lepers, those who are outcasts in society and have skin disease, <laughs> will be cleansed and welcomed into the family. The dead being raised, like actual dead people being raised, I believe will happen through some of our hands and some of our words. Lazarus comes forth. Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. He relied on the power from heaven to raise Lazarus. He gave us the perfect example. He was poor in spirit. He only said what the Father said. He only did what the Father did. That's poor in spirit. And God raised dead people through Jesus because he walked out the foundational beatitude. Demons cast out. We need to be poor in spirit to see demons cast out, saying it's not in our power. It's not by the right words, but it's by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus that every demon has to go to dry places. Don't you love the kingdom? It's righteousness, peace, and joy. That's internal in us. And then external, the kingdom is the healing of the sick, cleansing of the lepers, the dead being raised, and demons cast out. Amen. That's the first one. Isn't that a good one? Good place to start. All right, let's go to the second beatitude. Jesus says, blessed or extremely happy are those who mourn. What? Seems like a dichotomy. Blessed are those who mourn. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Okay, what does this mean? What does those who mourn, what does this attitude or virtue or character trait of mourning mean? Well, I believe, my grandma taught me this, and it's backed up by Mike Bickle. And so you think of like being at a funeral when you lose a loved one, or you lose a relationship that's really, really been special to you. Like we're mourning the fact, Marissa, that there's an aspect of mourning. It's like, wow, we're going to miss that beautiful leadership and that beautiful voice. We are. When we have loved ones that pass, loved ones that move away, there's an aspect of mourning, but he's not, Jesus is not primarily talking about that kind of mourning. He does comfort us when we mourn, that's for sure, but that's not the primary application of his words here. The primary application of mourning here is when we personally mourn and are broken over our own sin. It's mourning over our own lack of faith and power. Like when I pray for someone and they don't get healed, I'm mad, but even more than that, I'm mourning that I haven't received the faith in that moment to see that person healed. I'm mourning at the lack of power in the church. It breaks me. It's sad when people don't get healed or delivered. So those who mourn are people who mourn over their own sin, unbelief, and lack of power. Saying it more broadly, we are mourning. We, it means we are not okay with the gap between our hearts and his heart. We are not okay with the gap between our attitudes or our thoughts and our actions and his perfect attitudes and actions. We see a gap and we're not okay with it. That's what mourning is. Does that make sense? Let's look at some reinforcing scriptures. Psalm 51 
the amazing repentance psalm. If you ever need to repent and need a pattern, <laughs> go to Psalm 51. David does it so well. <laughs> and God answers David's broken, mournful heart over his own sin when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Psalm 51. The sacrifices that God loves is when we have it all together. No. <laughs> the sacrifices that God loves the most and that he rushes into are a broken or a mourning spirit. The sacrifices that God loves are a broken, mournful spirit. A broken and contrite or repentant or mourning or sorry heart. A heart that is sorry that we messed up. Look at this. These, O oh God, you will not despise. I mean, you won't look away from. You won't be like standing aloof from that person who's broken. He rushes in to comfort those who have a broken and contrite, mourning heart. <laughs> Look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 7. Paul says, For godly sorrow, or mourning over our own sin, following the second beatitude, produces something really good. It produces the fruit of repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance, which leads to salvation of your body, soul, and spirit not to be regretted, meaning don't regret when you mourn for days over the way you treated that person. Don't try to get out of it either. Let the feelings of how much you messed up hit you and sit in it as long as God wants you to sit in it. He forgives you the moment you repent, but sometimes we linger, and that's okay. It, it's supposed to hurt when we sin. We're supposed to not be comfortable in sin. So blessed are you when you mourn, when you messed up. Don't regret this. It's so good. It produces repentance, which leads to salvation. The sozoing of your body, soul, and spirit. Guys, when I repented from sin, I should have had so many things wrong with my body in many ways. And God healed my body when I repented. <laughs> salvation is real. Not just your soul, but your body and your spirit. Godly sorrow should be embraced as a blessing. If Jesus said, blessed are you when you have godly sorrow or you're mourning, it's a blessing. Godly sorrow is such a blessing. It means you're really his. Because if you can sin and it doesn't hurt, that means you're not his in that moment. That's a little harsh, but you get it. All right. Blessed are those who mourn. What's the promised blessing attached to this second virtue? For they shall be comforted. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What does this mean? We who mourn over our own sin, unbelief, and lack of power will be comforted by the Holy Spirit with, how do we get comforted? With gifts of repentance. Have you ever received a gift from your father or mother, your friend that brought you comfort? Yeah, gifts bring us a level of comfort. We see that we're seen by that loved one. Well, God's greatest gift to those who mourn is a gift of repentance, meaning you want to change your mind, you want to change your attitude, you want to change your actions. You want to do a 180. That's a gift from God that he comforts those who mourn over their own sin with. And then what does that lead to? Forgiveness. I think of forgiveness, the, the best way I think of forgiveness, it's a blank slate. You go to your court date expecting to be convicted of a crime and the judge throws out your case. 
blank slate is such a comfort, especially when we've been in habitual sin, we've been unable to break it, when we mourn over it and God gives us a blank slate, forgiveness as if we've never sinned, justified just as if we've never sinned, that brings so much comfort. Guys, right now, if you're mourning, if, if the Holy Spirit has brought up a sin or a shortcoming in your life and you're mourning over it and God is giving you a gift of repentance and he's given you forgiveness, you have a blank slate, not 30 minutes from now, but right now. There is a blank slate. If I could just pass out blank slates, I would right now. But just receive it because you have a level of mourning over that shortcoming area of your life. That brings so much comfort knowing that we have nothing on our record. A clean record. You run a background check in the spirit on you. There's nothing. <laughs> There's nothing. Oh, that brings so much comfort. He comforts us with righteousness, salvation, faith when we have unbelief. I'm so, I'm so broken, again, that we don't see as many healings and deliverances as we should as the people of God. Well, you know what he's going to do with that brokenness? He's going to fill us with power. We're going to see better batting averages like we just saw. Those three testimonies, <laughs> come on, amazing. I think you heard the Lord with that word coming off worship. <laughs> three specific testimonies, come on, I love it. All right, and we also get comforted when we mourn with a hope for a brighter future. I believe the Holy Spirit gives us a glimpse of our future where we're sin-free and we've overcome this habitual sin. Hope for a brighter future. Guys, you know in the kingdom, there is no such thing as a life sentence. There is no such thing as a life sentence in the kingdom. Meaning a doctor diagnoses you with something. He said, you're going to have this for life. God says, that's a lie. I can do anything I want at any time. When we mourn over our sin or even a, a sickness that our body has, there is no life sentence in the kingdom of God. He can change anything and everything. Jesus, you change everything. It's not, Jesus, you keep me in that sin forever. No, Jesus, you deliver me. There is no life sentence. <laughs> he gives us hope for a brighter future. That's comfort when we mourn. I love the example from Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Notice the Pharisee is praying to himself, not to God. Because <laughs> he was worshiping himself in this moment. He says, God, and he's looking down, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I tithe. I fast twice a week. I'm the best. I have no sin in my life. Which John says, you're a liar if you say you have no sin. <laughs> That's how he prayed. Do you think God was pleased with that prayer? Uh-uh. The tax collector, oh, the tax collector, he was obeying the second beatitude. Instead of going up to the altar where everyone could see him, he was in the back, probably at the doorway. He couldn't even enter. It says he stood afar off. He's like, I'm not even worthy to get even close to that altar. Standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He was broken. He beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me. I need your help. I'm jacked up. Would you heal me? 
Look what Jesus said. He says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house. He left the temple justified, made righteous, cleansed, perfect, clean slate, saved. The Holy Spirit comforted this broken man with justification, with righteousness from God. What happened to the self-righteous Pharisee? He left the same way, not justified, unrighteous, not in the kingdom. This is an enter into heaven issue, mourning over our sin. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to see if I could do the third one. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Y'all good? Let's do the third one. Yeah, NFL doesn't start till next week. <laughs> no, this will be, be quick. Jesus says, blessed, this is the third, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What a promise. But before we get to the promise, let's look at meekness. What is meekness? Biblical meekness is not synonymous with weakness. That's usually in our human mindset. When we think of meekness, we think of weakness, a pushover. It's not that. Biblical meekness is actually synonymous with God's strength. It's the opposite of weakness. It's strength. Meekness is power or strength under control. Power or strength under control. Meekness gives us the ability to receive punches from people and spirits and life circumstances and not punch back. When you're meek, you're like a punching bag in a good way, meaning you don't punch back. You could have your closest friends and people in your family curse you, and you don't curse them back. That's meekness. It's power under control. You might have all the arguments and all the power to argue your way and prove your case, but you sit there and you let God fight for you. <laughs> Another picture in our world of meekness is a huge jumbo jet. Do you know how much power is in a jumbo jet? You can hear it. You don't even have to see it to know how much power is in a jumbo jet. You gotta have earplugs to not lose your hearing if you're next to a jumbo jet. So much power. But when that jumbo jet lands on a tarmac, you barely feel it. You, if you're sleeping, you won't even wake up. It's extreme amounts of power under control. Think of the two vectors of a jumbo jet, meekness and religious pride. Religious pride will put a jumbo jet in a World Trade Center and kill 5,000 people. That's a lot of power, but no control. Religious pride, radical Islam, put a jumbo jet or the 747, whatever, in the World Trade Center and killed 5,000 people. What will that jumbo jet under meekness do? With the right pilot, with the right heart, it could rescue 500 people from human trafficking and take them home. 500 people can fit on a jumbo jet. The same power used for two different trajectories. One of them's meekness, one of them's religious pride. Isn't that wild? It's the same instrument. Well, your body is like a Jumbo jet, your soul and your spirit, you can destroy someone's life with your words, or you can encourage them into God's greatness. 
You have so much power in your tongue to destroy or build up. We need meekness mainly over our mouth. <laughs> so what is meekness? It utilizes the dynamite power of God and the Holy Spirit with a spirit of gentleness and self-control. Meekness utilizes the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit with a spirit of gentleness and self-control. Jesus exemplified it perfectly. He could have called down fire on all those cities that he went to that rejected him. Instead, he saved people and healed people and cast out demons. <laughs> Jesus says, reinforcing scriptures, worship team, you can come up. Take my yoke. What does yoke mean when Jesus say that? It's his leadership. It's his way. Take my leadership upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle or meek. That's the actual Greek word. I am meek and lowly in heart. Some of y'all might know this. This is the only virtue that Jesus described himself as having. The one virtue that's the pinnacle of Jesus' beautiful, perfect heart is meekness. It was the most important one he wanted to bring out to us. He could have said a hundred things that are true about his heart. But he said, I'm meek. I have power, divine power, under extreme amounts of self-control. And I'm lowly in heart. So we should do the same. He invites us to take the same character and virtue and attitude upon ourselves. 1 Peter 3, 4. Let your adornment or your clothing, what you put on, be primarily the hidden person of the heart. Every morning, yes, you can put on nice clothes. Yes, you can put on jewelry. But before and after that, put on the hidden person of the heart, which God describes as having incorruptible or unfading beauty of a meek and quiet spirit. What is beauty that won't get wrinkles, that won't decay? Meekness. My wife looks really, really good right now. Sorry. She's going to look really, really good for many more decades. But if Jesus doesn't come back, we'll all decay. Our skin gets wrinkly. It gets old. Again, you're still going to be beautiful. But the thing that will only get more and more beautiful, unfading beauty, it's not touched by age, is meekness. Look what God says. It's very precious in the sight of God. This hidden beauty is so, what does very precious mean? It means exceedingly valuable in the sight of God. We should put it on every single day. Put on meekness, power under control, and ask for help with our mouths, with our lips and our tongue. Help me to be meek with my words. All right, what's the promised blessing for this virtue? And we're going to close here. What happens to the meek of the earth with biblical meekness? We inherit the earth. <laughs> Guys, you know it says multiple times in the scripture, so many times that we will inherit all things with Jesus. We are co-heirs with Jesus, meaning we will inherit every square inch of the universe. If you don't have much to your name right now, that's okay. Because when Jesus comes back, you're going to have everything to your name. It says that three explicit times in Scripture. You will inherit all things. But how do we inherit all things? We choose meekness, power under control. Think about it, though. 
how this is so not true in the current present evil age. In this present evil age, who is inheriting the earth? The dictators. They have the most square miles to their name. Vladimir Putin has over 6 million square miles under his domain. If you were to die today, an unbeliever, which I don't, I see by his actions, probably not a believer, he would have nothing to his name. Peter, hero of the faith, died upside down, crucified on a cross with nothing to his name, probably naked, no inheritance. But in the resurrection, he's going to sit on a throne judging the tribes of Israel with Jesus. He's going to be a co-heir with Jesus. True meekness might land us in jail or dead for the name of Jesus with seemingly nothing to our name. But in the age to come, it will be completely opposite. Completely opposite. Meek believers with true biblical meekness will inherit all things. Every square inch of the universe will be under our name because we are married to Jesus who owns all things. When we got married, our bank accounts became the same, and whatever I owned, Brooke owned. That's going to happen when we marry Jesus. It's really simple. Like, how could I inherit all things? Well, you're going to marry the one who owns all things, seen and unseen. It's really simple. It's not that hard. Psalm 37, let's stand up. I love this promise because, like, I love the hill country. I love the idea of having a ranch with a beautiful spring on it some cattle, some horses, but that's not cheap. I can't even begin to think about purchasing a hill country ranch right now and probably will never be able to unless the Lord wants me to. But in the age to come, I think I'm going to get whatever hill country ranch with a beautiful spring that never runs dry and cattle and horses. I think I will (laughs) because actually I know I will. If I stay meek and stay connected to Jesus, I'm going to inherit all things, every square inch of the universe. (laughs) Psalm 37, don't believe me? For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. The Vladimir Putins, unless he repents, will be no more. Indeed, Hitler, no more. He owns so many square miles, but he owns nothing now. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place where he used to live, but it shall be no more. Their castles vanish. They get torn down in the weather. But what? But the meek shall inherit the earth. It says this four times in Psalm 37. Four times the meek will inherit the earth. This is where Jesus got it from. He's like, yep, that's true. I'm going to say it in the Beatitudes. And we will delight ourselves in the abundance of peace. Revelation 21.7, Jesus says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. (laughs) If we overcome religious pride, if we overcome all the power God has given us and we're using it for evil, if we overcome that and put on meekness and utilize the Holy Spirit's power under control, we will inherit all things and he will be our God and we will be his son and his daughter. So let's activate these things. We can go to the last slide. Let's activate these first three Beatitudes with a simple prayer. I'm going to invite up the prayer teams right now as well altar prayer teams, you can go ahead and come on up. But if you saw wisdom or heard wisdom in these first three Beatitudes, if it sounded like truth to you, each one of these three, I just want to invite you to raise your hand.
those first three, that was truth. Even though sometimes they seem backward, this is right. Jesus, you're right. That's the first step, saying this is truth. <laughs> the second step is saying, I want it. I want these virtues of the heart in a deeper way, in a more profound way, in a more intense way. I want to be more poor in spirit. I want to mourn more deeply over the gap between my heart and his heart. I want to put on meekness. Give me grace to put on gentleness and tenderness every single day. You can go to the last slide, the, the next one. So here's what we're going to do. If you want these three in a deeper way in your life, you're just going to repeat after me. We're going to pray. We're going to activate these beatitudes through prayer. Just repeat after me with poor in spirit. Say, Lord, I confess that I need you for every good thing down to the very breath I breathe. Help me, Jesus, to stay fully reliant on you. Let's go to mourning. Lord, help me to mourn at the gap between my thoughts and actions and your perfection. Would you comfort me with a fresh cleansing of my soul today? Last one, meekness. Lord, today I choose to take on your yoke of meekness. Help me to always utilize your power with a spirit of gentleness and self-control. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.